Welcome to Manager Tools. How to respond to how do I get promoted? Part four. This cast answers these questions. What do I tell my directs when they want to get promoted? What are the key criteria in helping a direct get promoted? Well, if you want answers to these questions and more, keep listening. Here we go. Folks, we're adding a new conference to the Manager Tools rotation this year. The M Conference, the future of management. Rather than a training session, we're going to be tapping the strength and knowledge of our manager tools community. We've asked 10 of our fairly illustrious community to come and talk, a la a TED Talk, in Dallas, Texas, October 9th and 10th. We have seven C-suite executives and three VPs. And they're going to be talking to you about the next phase of your professional development, maybe what can help you get to the next level, even the executive level for many of you. We are really excited that we can keep the price down to $3,000, which is only a little bit more than what you would spend for attending two days of one of our regular conferences. And we have a special treat for you. For all 50 slots, there are only 50, and I'm told that some are already been pre-reserved you will get a 10-year rebate for the cost of your license if you're a licensee. So that's worth $2,000, 200 times 10. If you're not a licensee, you get 10 years of licensing, and then it'll only cost you $1,000. We're excited about this opportunity. Hope to see you there. You can find it on the website. So the next step then, of course, after doing all that is explain the process, right? People have to have an idea of how it works with how promotions work within the organization. And knowing this was coming is what led to my aside in the beginning of this cast, where I talked about how people ask this question and managers mistakenly, cynically think that they ought not to be asking that and they should know better, which probably when the manager was this person's age, they didn't know any better either, because this is the part, the process part, that I think professionally immature, don't take that the wrong way, young people um, don't know the process and think that a promotion is about ticking boxes, when in fact it's much more holistic than that. It's about the future of the organization, And so you'll note that explaining the process comes last. If you explain the process first, people will think you're giving them a recipe. But in fact, there is no recipe. And we all ought to know that because if you're a manager, if you have, let's say you have 10 years of experience, and I'm not saying it should take that long for anybody to become a manager, but if after 10 years, you don't know, that promotions are not simply a case of there are nine boxes, you ticked all nine, therefore it's automatic. (laughs) I mean, there are so many factors that go into promotions that even talking about the two of them results and relationships may be for some of you an oversimplification. It's not because there are some things that are so complex that to suggest that it could be nine boxes is ludicrous. Um, because I can immediately shoot down that theory with you give me an example of somebody who's ticked nine bosses and I can tell you about having done that. I can guarantee you, I can create a situation within the organization, within you, within that person that proves, and you will, I will agree, they will not get promoted. 
there are no amount of boxes you can tick on something that is so complex. Uh, and so we have to simplify it in order to be able to communicate it in some fashion. And you better not explain the process first before you talk about the big picture of results uh, and relationships. So again, this is last. And if you tell it first and your direct thinks it's a system to be gained, they put too much energy into the tactics for advancements rather than substance for success. What you want is directs who get results and create relationships and achieve at a high level and then are rewarded. It is the reward that people see as what makes them successful, but in fact, that's not so. In, in the same way that a trophy is not the same thing as winning a golf tournament. The golf tournament was won through, you know, 280 strokes or however many uh, it takes to win. Um, the trophy is an emblem. Uh, the promotion is an emblem for that, but that's not success. Advancement is an ancillary outcome, not a result to be achieved. You could even say achieve success, which you and I both know is success, and let the promotion be an extra reward because the end result of this is trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're looking for the trappings of success when what you ought to do is be in the dirt digging for it, meaning working hard. And if you get success, great. And if you don't, let the hard work that you did for the right reasons, for the right people, with the right ethics, be your satisfaction. Now, that may be sound old-fashioned, but sometimes old-fashioned is true. Now, look, every organization is different. I can't describe everybody's process, obviously. You'll have to modify this generic description that we're going to share with the way your organization does it. If you don't know how your organization does it, and a lot of us don't, it's normal. Don't beat yourself up. Share this generic approach and then make it a habit of start learning, starting to learn more about your firm's approach. Okay, here's how it might sound. So those are the things you can work on, results and relationships, substantive work, and strong communication. Here's how most organizations approach promotion situations. The first thing you should know is that people are never promoted by their boss. Never. Okay? At a minimum, it's your boss's boss. For you, that means my boss. Sometimes it's even higher than that. Sometimes it's a committee. In really well-run organizations, a senior exec in your division weighs in or at least blesses who's going where. This is all part of succession planning, okay? Promotions are part of our organization's succession planning. Succession planning, if you don't know it, takes up a significant portion of time of the most senior people here, great CEOs. Um, an example I know of, I have a very good friend here near where I live uh, that I see well, once every couple of weeks, and uh, we have dinner, our families get together and so on. Uh, is good friends with Larry Bossidy. In fact, is on a couple of boards with him. Larry Bossidy is one of the greatest CEOs in modern history. 
And if you read his book, Execution, which we highly recommend, and even though it's probably 20 years old, is still a masterpiece, uh, he says in his book, I spent 30% of my time on people. And Larry Bossidy, by the way, is not a people person. He's a results person. And his first rule is spend your time on people. Go figure. And look, to be clear, if what you want is a promotion and you've done all the things I've described here beautifully, you won't get promoted if there isn't an open position for you to move into. And I know that's probably frustrating for you to hear, but that's the way it is everywhere. Here's an example. You've been killing it, okay? You're doing great. My boss's boss's boss, the division VP, leaves to become CEO at another firm. She did well. You might think, hey, that means there's going to be a ripple effect with some promotions above me, and that will leave a slot for me to be considered for at what is now my level. And that's true. It might. But it's also true that most of us tend to think of promotions as happening in a vertical line. The best senior director will take the VP slot, a director will move up to senior director, a senior manager will get the director slot, and a manager will get the senior manager role, leaving a hole at the manager level. That's succession planning or succession results, if you will. And you're right, that does happen. But what folks forget is that there are non-line managers in HR or corporate development or in a sister division, or even a subsidiary, who may have been being groomed for that VP slot. And when the VP leaves to become a CEO somewhere else, that whole domino effect stops because somebody from outside of our group takes that role. And that was known and planned for six months before the VP left because she didn't get the job she wanted. And the senior executives knew that she was going to be headhunted away from us. Or maybe the dominoes will start to happen, but the various directorates within our division are different enough that our group isn't going to be the place where the tail of the dominoes fall. What's more, the CEO says, well, you know, I never really liked the way that previous person there had that division structured. And this is an opportunity since she's left to reorg the whole thing. And frankly, if you look at the next five years, they're not going to be contributing as much profit to the organization as they did five years ago. And therefore, the structure that we came up with that's been in place for five years and could stay this way for the next five years and only make their numbers look worse means that they're a little bloated. And by the way, I'm talking about the CEO looking down on the division you're in where the VP just left. And he says, let's collapse them a little. So the VP leaves and the CEO says, well, we probably need to have some attrition happen over there because I think they've got 10% too many people. That actually might leave less manager slots in our division, our directorate, our group, because someone leaves. It's not exactly that, but it's the net effect of it. Boom. Opportunity for a promotion becomes a situation where there are some packages offered for folks to leave. Less opportunities, not more, and you're not getting promoted, and neither am I. Now, look, dude, I don't mean to paint a bleak picture here, okay? Sometimes the CEO lets his VPs run their own succession plans, except for maybe the top 200 or so managers who are looked at by 
our C-suite regularly. And the dominoes do come our way. But hopefully what you're hearing here is all of that is out of our control. And succession discussions are generally held pretty close to the vest. The lesson here is that knowing how all of that happens isn't where we're going to win opportunities. At a macro level, about the only trend that is going to improve our, improve our chances for more responsibilities is company growth. Growth is the rising tide that lifts boats by creating more managerial opportunities within our existing organization. If you've ever seen somebody get promoted that you didn't think deserved to get promoted, before you decry that in some way, ask yourself two questions. Am I not just frustrated that that person seems different than me? And might that be a very soft form of feedback to me? Or secondly, has growth in that area or in the organization lately been so significant that in fact there are more opportunities being created than there are what I would describe as highly qualified potential promotees? And so they were left to promote the most qualified, who may not, in your mind, be highly qualified, okay? If our group adds more people to handle increased sales, more managers are going to be needed because most companies tend to have a general idea about what their span of control is. So if our 250-person group adds 25 more people, we're now at 275, we'll have an increase, a relative increase in the number of managers. That doesn't always happen. That's an oversimplification of growth, but it absolutely could happen. But dude, here's my point. The best way for us to affect company growth is, you guessed it, exceptional results and relationships. There's creation and then there's maintenance. We create relationships via one-on-ones while we're rolling out the Trinity. And once we've completed that process, we're in the maintenance phase which means we need to make sure that we keep working at our relationships via one-on-ones. And it can be hard to stay on track to keep working. Entropy is always against us, which is why we recommend Roadmap. It allows you to track, to maintain, to nurture those relationships. It's how we measure, and it's how we manage. Get Roadmap with a personal license or an on-site EMC. Now, as far as the actual promotion process at our level, when someone vacates a role close to us, Usually that person's boss is supposed to have somebody ready to step into the role. The most likely choice is the leaving manager's number two, if she has one identified. Once that happens, that manager's vacancy is filled with their number two. Usually those decisions are blessed by the boss of the boss who lost someone. And HR gets involved at probably less of a level than a blessing, maybe at the level of having a right to object if there are significant concerns with whoever's been selected to change from heir apparent to heir or king or queen. If there's not a number two, boy, there's a big mistake. The opening may take a few days to get filled. In that case, the manager of the opening consults with HR, consults with his boss, And in almost all cases, the person chosen either meets with HR to discuss compensation or with their boss after the boss has consulted with HR. 
We generally can't assume that the person getting promoted takes over the leaving person's pay package. This is a huge misunderstanding that people have. There are some standard changes that include some additional benefits at higher levels, but actual salary compensation isn't as simple as most people think. A vacating manager with 20 years experience will likely have been paid more than his replacement. As you probably know, because of something called salary bans, it's possible that a direct who is paid at the top of her range is already being paid above the lowest level of the manager role they're being promoted into. Now, look, I'm not trying to say that you would suffer a reduction in pay with a promotion. You'll get an increase in most situations. And I say most because it's possible that you'll get a promotion without a pay increase. This seems to annoy people enormously, but it's absolutely reasonable. And it happens far more often than people people realize. And it's not necessarily a slap in the face. It's a case where administration of salary for large organizations is complex, has to be simplified in order to not have 5,000 people in HR managing everybody's individual salary and comp plan and your particular situation. Large systems often fail when the result of that large system is applied to any individual. On the other hand, It's possible that small failures with every individual who come in contact with this large system still end up to a net additive when it comes to the productivity of the organization versus the individual. I know that doesn't sound particularly efficient or particularly uh, uh, holistic or something like that. I don't care. This is the history of mankind we're talking about here. If you get promoted during a weak market, You may be expected to keep your existing pay even as you get a promotion. Now, I'm not saying that you should be happy if that happens to you and you say yes because you want the promotion and a new chance to succeed. And then three years later, the company is doing well and your boss is saying to you, yeah, you need to still stay at the same level. I'm not saying you should be happy. I'm saying that before you have a conversation like that that could make you unhappy, you probably, if you're a manager or more than that, should have been able to build enough relationships in HR and sit down with somebody in compensation and have salary bands explained to you and where you are relative to the bands and where you used to be relative to the bands and find out whether or not you have a case to be made saying, boss, I'm really sorry. I've been in this job for three years. You told me in the beginning that I couldn't take a raise because... I was at the high end of a salary band, which put me at the middle of this band, and I'm a new manager, and so it would take me a while. But, you know, I've been in this job for three years. The average tenure in this job is four and a half. That means I'm, what, I'm two-thirds of the way through, and I'm still now at, you know, maybe I'm at 45% of the pay level. Um, I'm sorry. And don't kid yourself, folks. It's absolutely true that there are bosses who will say, I think I can get away with telling this guy, sorry, things aren't doing well enough. I'm not going to give you a raise this year. And the reason they'll tell you that, perhaps, if you're that person, is because they believe they can save some salary money on you and they can get away with telling you, yeah, sorry, the tide's not lifting. No boats are going up. While privately giving more of what maybe should have come to you to somebody else, that happens too because some managers are jerks. Okay. In some cases, An open managerial role is opened up to applications pursuant to an interview process. That's part of our process sometimes. 
Internal interviews are just like external ones in terms of your need to prepare. Now you can see where the point I made earlier about your resume really matters. If you go to a completely different division for an interview, and look, I'll encourage you to do so and provide some guidance as best I can, you'll be relying on the strength of three things, okay? Your performance, your relationships, do they extend all the way over there or can they extend by extension all the way over there? And your interview preparation slash performance. And it's fairly normal for there to be someone in the mix when you're interviewing outside of your group, usually from that group itself, for whom the promotion will be theirs to lose. The interview process validates whatever choice the decision maker will make and sometimes gives him or her political cover to make the promotion that they do. So I've given you a whole bunch of things to think about and hopefully you realize now I've opened your eyes a little bit. I didn't know this when I was starting out. There's a lot to consider here. The process is good to know about, but don't think that you're going to be successful in gaming it. The process isn't where your leverage is. When the time comes and you're ready, we'll know more and we'll work hard on those parts of the process that are necessary to make your candidacy as near a lock as we can make it. But day to day, week to week, it's about results and relationships. I just want to tell you again, dude, I'm glad you've asked this. I'm glad that that sends a message. It's What it does is send a message to me is that you're willing to strive. I'm sure you've heard me say this before. But one of my favorite corporate mottos is Leo Burnett's, which says, reach for the stars. You may not get one, but you won't end up with a handful of mud either. This conversation, I think, is going to save us a lot of false starts. And the more we communicate and the better we communicate, uh, the more efficient we can be about going about getting you what you want. All that having been said, what questions do you have? I wish somebody had said that to me. <laughs> all that, all, I mean, that's just, that's just a conversation that does not happen enough. No, it doesn't. And you know what? It was never had with me. And I never had this conversation in my early career, and it still bugs me. And it only is possible to share because I've learned and we've been associated with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of managers and executives, and have cobbled that together over the years. This may be one of my favorite podcasts of all time because it's a conversation. It's a little bit like but it won't seem that way. What to do if one of your directs has body odor? Because the moment you listen to that cast, if you've been in that situation, you immediately know that you messed it up. You immediately know you should have known how to do it. In fact, you probably knew that when you were, when the situation first came up and you can poo poo it all you want, but it matters that you handle it well as a manager. This conversation, there ought to be no cynicism about it. You've probably been on the giving end of the question, and now you know your old boss didn't do it all that well, but we don't want you to go through what Mike and I went through, nobody telling us how to do this. And we had some great bosses, but uh, you shouldn't have to learn this the hard way. 
So just summarizing real quick, when your directs ask how they can get promoted, don't roll your eyes. It's a good question. It's a fair question. It's actually kind of an exciting question. And the answer includes stuff that's easy to talk about at a high level, results and relationships, and then the process overview. Having several directs who want to get promoted is not a problem. It's the opposite of a problem. It's an opportunity to motivate them to higher performance and to help shape your organization with ethical leaders. Isn't that why you wanted to become a manager to begin with? I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, me too. That's awesome. I I think folks will get a chance to hear that and use that. And folks, if you don't think you can put something like that together, you don't need to. (laughs) If you're a licensee, just go to the show notes. It's all in there. Just copy it and... There's no points for originality. You don't have and edit it, of course. Make it, you know, make it yours, but you don't have to recreate the wheel. That's kind of why we're here. So yep. take advantage of it, please. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. So long. <laughs>